With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager. And uh, Eric, I have to take a second to make an announcement before we get into our conversation on where the Vikings stand right now that I, me, have published a book that I am very proud of. It is called Making of a Miracle, the story behind the Minnesota Vikings' improbable 2017 season. And you can get it on Amazon, or you can get your Kindle version there. You can get your paperback version, and they will send it right to your house. And if you want to buy it for somebody for the holiday, then please feel free. So go to uh, Amazon, type it in, Making of a Miracle, and you will find my book that I spent writing about the 2017 season. Eric, I'll tell you how I did it. I pulled out all the notes from 2017, I gathered them up, and I wrote them down with a bunch of fun little what-ifs and vignettes about players and things like that. So I think that people will really enjoy it, and um, I know that you are already a book holder. You have already purchased your copy. Yeah, I already bought one. Um, I'm excited to read it when, uh, you know, the inevitable free time happens. Maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows when it'll we'll get the free time, but uh, um, yeah, I, I'm still looking forward to it. It was one of the you know fun, more fun seasons following the team. Yeah, no, it certainly was. And you and I had a really good conversation on a podcast maybe six months ago, just about how the 2017 season really impacted the Vikings to land where they are now. And that's something that I w- was not writing about really in the book. I mean, the book is about 
uh, starting with training camp and then all the way through all the things that had to build up to the Minneapolis miracle, all the coincidences, the serendipity, the what ifs, the if this had happened, then you don't get there and all those sorts of things. And then the players who made it great. And I, I did want to start with kind of a, a thought, though, about 2017 versus where the Vikings stand now. And I think that the biggest difference between that team and the teams that followed were the people that they had inside the locker room. And and I don't just mean the players and and we've talked about the depth and the Jarius Wrights and Jeremiah Searles is of how, you know, they played important roles by just being good players that, that filled spots, but also Teddy Bridgewater as the Vikings go to play him this week, his impact on the 2017 season, despite the fact that he barely played was really remarkable. And other guys like Terrence Newman, for example, Case Keenum's personality, all those things, they really impacted each other. The way the other players kind of galvanized to help Daniil Hunter become the best player that he could be. And that's something that I feel like in a league of independent contractors that sort of show up when they're supposed to show up, to galvanize like that, um, it was part of the reason that I wanted to write the book because it was really special. Yeah, they were great. And you think about some of the the fabric of the early Zimmer years, you know, Terrence Newman was one of them, right? I mean, he was a guy that they brought in, um, you know, because Trey, you know, to, to make as an insurance policy for Trey Waynes. And then in that 2017 season, he became an insurance policy for Mackenzie Alexander in the nickel. And, you know, that was, you know, he was a guy that, you know, was, was inspirational. And since losing him, obviously they haven't been the same. And then you look at another guy, I know a, a player that you really liked watching and was a good contributor, uh, Tom Johnson, right? A player that the Vikings probably could really use right about now. Uh, he was a great role player and a, and a glue guy in that locker room. And then of course they had the, the, you know, the Joe Bergers of the world. They had, you know, they had some really good glue players that maybe don't exist anymore in addition to going with, you know, their stars, which, you know, Kendricks, Barr, you know, Diggs, Thielen, um, you know, uh, guys like that, um, you know, Dalvin Cook even was a part of that team for a brief period of time. And then you had the the fun, um, you know, Sam Bradford really finding himself early in the season, ingratiating himself to the locker room and Mike Zimmer, you know, being one of the rare quarterbacks that Zimmer actually likes, and then, you know, running bad with injuries, uh, and then giving way to Case Keenum uh, for you know a peer, you know for a magical season like that. So there were so many things that were fun about that team, um, you know. And then there weren't the scandals that 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 you know that the Vikings traditionally have either. So what a great year! <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. That uh, it, there there was nobody um, that was on any boats or anything like that. Uh, there were nobody, no stuffed animals. No stuffed animals. Nobody hung from any roofs or anything uh, in, in that category. Uh, that Now, 2016 would be a different kind of book that um, pulls less at the heartstrings and kind of goes into how dramatic could you have an NFL season be? Here it is. Um, we also did the 2010 thing on here with, you know, Judd and, and Murph and, and those guys, and that was really fun too. So I love going back and looking at history and how it impacted other things, how we got to those places. And I guess – I I was thinking about the comparison between how they built the 2017 team to be as good as it is and how they plan to build the next team. Because I think that what you had there was a philosophy shaped by the 32nd ranked defense in 2013 and hiring a defensive head coach to pour a lot of your assets 
almost all of your assets into the defensive side of the ball. A ton of draft picks, as you mentioned, the Trey Waynes, even before Zimmer got here, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, first and second round draft picks, and a lot of them hit. And then they had to kind of fall backwards into a lot of those other players, too. You mentioned Tom Johnson. He played 60% of plays in 2017 as a former CFL guy and was good. Like, that doesn't happen all that often. Mankato State players don't usually show up and go to the Pro Bowl. Neither do fifth-round picks from Maryland. And I wonder if at times since then they based a little bit too much of their philosophy in terms of drafting and things like that on, hey, you know what worked when we built the 27? team was we drafted late round receivers so we need to draft Stacy Coley and KJ Osborne and um, Rodney Adams and BC Johnson and all these guys that just Dylan Mitchell because uh, we'll just take swings on on late round receivers and that will work we'll just get lanky fast defensive ends and they'll become Daniel Hunter which just doesn't really happen um, but I wonder in this next build if they'll do it again, where they pour a lot of their assets into the defensive side, or if they will say at some point, you know, what would be good is like a number three wide receiver that would Mm -hmm. probably help. Or maybe, you know, like a dominant guard that could probably, you know, help us out with protecting Kirk Cousins. I I wonder what you think sort of in comparison to how they did it and how it should be done. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's tough. I mean, I think the issue is, is, you know, sort of overreacting to some of the luck that they've had, right? I mean, when you look at that 2015 draft, there's a lot. Obviously, all those players ended up being at least, you know, pretty good other than, um, you know, TJ Clemmings. And I think that the Vikings are consistently planning as though another one of those is going to happen. Um, because if, if one does, then – how they've built this team is probably good enough to compete, especially in an NFC where you look at the teams and there really isn't a dominant team aside from New Orleans and New Orleans is probably going to, you know, retire their quarterback at some point. Like they're, it, it's not that bleak for Minnesota. If you, if you assume a priori that one of these drafts is going to turn out like 2015, the problem is, is that that's not necessarily how to win. And it's how we've seen, you know, some really poor uh, decisions being made by teams like Green Bay and so on and so forth, who have historically run really well in the draft and then, you know, struggled in doing so and and wonder after they've come up for air why they haven't won as many championships as they think. And that's a, a bit of the comparison to Cincinnati and how they fell off, which was they hit on a bunch of draft picks over two or three years. They built them all around Andy Dalton. Uh, now that's the guy who beat the Vikings, Andy Dalton. But, you know, then all of a sudden Andy Dalton doesn't have all those receivers that he had before, the offensive line that he had before, Andrew Whitworth leaves, and suddenly he's just a mediocre journeyman-type quarterback, and they kept throwing, you know, different draft picks at it, but their luck ran out. And I think we see that all the time, and there are very few franchises that can ever work around that. Where the Vikings are in really good position is that they happen to have hit on their first-round draft pick this year, and not only is he good, he is absolutely spectacular. And I think that it changes the trajectory of the team a little bit for where they can go possibly in the future to have a receiver of that level. Um, But I also think that it should change their philosophy. I mean, you go back to the Garrett Bradbury draft pick and you look at the receivers who were picked after and you go, 
wow, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Like, there's probably more that I'm missing there. They all, Debo Samuel, they all turned out to be good. And you instead said, no, we need to get a zone-blocking center. And I think that this team has just ignored that number three position, wide receiver position, for a really long time now. And you'd like to see them say, there's no shortage of weapons uh, that you can have. I mean, there's it's, that, it's not like there's a rule that says once you get to two good receivers, you have to stop and have Chad Beebe play. I mean, that that would be I, – I don't think they're going to do this as long as Zimmer and Spielman are in charge. I think they're drafting defensive backs. I think they're drafting, uh, you know, defensive linemen in this next draft in the first round unless things go really bad, and then we're talking quarterback. But I, I just think that what it should tell you even this year is you've been in a lot of games and won some with a horrible defense. Like keep keep doing that. Like keep building that. Not keep having a horrible defense, but keep going in that direction where offense can keep you in games and win games even when your defense plays poorly. Absolutely, and that's that's the hard part. And I know we, you know we've had this discourse for a for a long time, but it's like you know a lot of people the other day said, well, the Vikings defense let them down, and I agree they did, but what are your expectations? Your expectation, like you look at Kansas city and, and, you know, it's obviously unfair to always compare you know teams to Kansas city, but Kansas city's defense repeatedly let them down the other night against the Raiders. And, you know, ultimately it's just like, well, just give Patrick Mahomes enough time and he'll score enough points. And, you know, Kirk did, he came back and, and took the lead for the Vikings twice in that game, but the third time they couldn't do it. And in many ways, because, when the game gets that deep, they're no longer, they're playing left-handed, you know, they're no longer playing, um, you know, the type of game that they want to, which is being able to run the football, being able to run play action and, you know, keep it, you know, when the other team knows that they have to throw, they all of a sudden become, you know, relatively ordinary. Um, and unfortunately that's kind of, you know, the, the way that this thing has worked. Right. And, you know, we saw it with San Francisco too, a team, I think, if you're the if you're a Vikings fan, it's sort of the model for where you want to go. You know, last season San Francisco had Kansas City on the ropes in the Super Bowl, but you know because they couldn't score when the other team knew that they had to pass, they lost the game. They they lost ultimately to a team that can you know their base offense is the offense that they're going to run when they're behind, um, and that's you know I I think that that's a product of the how they built the team and the and the circumstances uh, that they maybe don't foresee all the time. I want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt, and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tecmo Bowl throwback shirt, and much more. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K dot com. Soda Stick, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is much different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready every game day. No matter how you watch, whether it's me sitting in the press box at U.S. Bank Stadium, a very empty U.S. Bank Stadium, or a 
if it's at home on your couch, which I've had to do this year for road games, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power you through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. The play-from-ahead quarterback does struggle when you get to the playoffs or when things get tough. I mean, um, even when the Vikings won a playoff game against New Orleans, they pretty much led that entire game. I think early they, there was a fumble and a field goal and the Saints went up and then the rest of the way, they're playing from ahead. They're running Delvin Cook all the time. They're running play actions and pretty much trying to have long and slow drives and kill clock and everything else, which they're quite good at, um, even though New Orleans came back in that game. like That's the thing they're good at. And then they got the ball first and finished that off. But just thinking of you know, Vikings wins over the years, it's almost always, well, they, they got up early and then they can crush teams when they get up early, especially bad teams. But when they're having to play from behind, it ends up being problematic. Now against Dallas, I don't think it's a, a good game to really make broad statements off because they were the 32nd ranked defense in points against. Yeah. So yeah, you could do some things against them offensively that you might not be able to do otherwise. Now we have talked about Kirk Cousins for really the entirety. You and I have had these conversations from the entirety of the time that he got here until present. Uh, he is pro football focus's sixth ranked quarterback this year. And he's had the classic Kirk meltdowns, Indianapolis and Atlanta. The rest of the time, I would say that, you know, Green Bay also goes into that week one, but I mean, it's week one. I don't know. There was no preseason, whatever. But the rest of the time, he has often put them in position to win, including four times this year, giving them late leads in the fourth quarter with, with drives. His statistics are once again good. His grades are once again good. Um, I think the Vikings stick with Kirk Cousins now. I mean, after the Atlanta game, I, I may have said uh, that I felt differently. I think they stick with him. And my question is, can you win with Kirk Cousins? Do you think that they could, going forward, build a team around Kirk Cousins in 2021-2022 that is reflective of the 2017 team we're talking about and maybe even more explosive offensively because of their deep threat in Justin Jefferson and be a Super Bowl caliber team at some point with him as their quarterback? They can. Um, I don't think I'll ever place a bet on it, though. You know, just um, because it's going to, as I as I talked about earlier, it's going to require them to get lucky on on some of the decisions that they make, and and you know, it's just really difficult to do that in the NFL when you're dealing with you know when you have a contract, um, you know, that Kirk signs. I mean, again, you know, you think about when you know teams have had players on rookie deals, right? The Rams, when they had golf on a rookie deal, they could sign Robert Woods, right? They could sign uh, Aaron Donald to a huge deal. They could sign Eric Weddle. They could sign Akeem Tlaib, you know, all these guys. And, you know, the one of the reasons the Rams are still good, even though golf has the contract he has, is that they've gotten lucky, right? Or, and they've gotten coaching that I think is above board. I mean, the, the, the defensive backs, like, I don't know any other, like Jordan, Jordan, uh, I, Philip, I can't remember who they the, the the 200th pick in the draft and two interceptions the other night. Like that's not something you can bank on. Um, you know the the Darius Phillips, the guys that they have on the outside are not guys that have any pedigree, right? And like, do you want to make that bet? 
I don't know. Like I'd rather make the bet of, um, you know, I'd rather make the bet of saying, okay, well, let's, let's think about the two true edges that teams have in the NFL. What are they? They're having an elite quarterback that basically every contract that you pay an elite quarterback is a bargain. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a bargain. Aaron Rodgers is a bargain. Tom Brady is a bargain. Uh, Peyton Manning, when he played, was a bargain. That's one tried and true way. Um, and for the most part, the only way to get there is the other true edge, which is to have a young quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, the Chiefs can sign Sammy Watkins to $16 million a year when Mahomes, you know, is on his rookie deal. And he can mostly be a failure, but come up big in big games because you have that extra slack. Uh, you can sign Tyron Matthew. You can trade for Frank Clark. You can do all those things when a quarterback is on a rookie deal. Um, you can't do that if you're, if you're paying your quarterback as much as they're paying Kirk. So, I think the Vikings obviously will be competitive with Kirk the next two years for sure, especially if, if some if they have moderate success with the drafts they've had, especially the last year. Um, but can they compete for a Super Bowl? Um, I don't know, man. I just I can't see it, and and unfortunately that's always kind of the rub. And and you have to ask yourself, what are your expectations? And as somebody who's watched the Vikings his entire life and has seen them be pretty good. Um, you know, basically the whole time they have one of the best records in the NFL during my lifetime, but have really only competed for the Super Bowl in these random lucky years. I think that the approach has to be a little bit different. Yeah, it feels like it is always kind of a game of whack-a-mole when you have a quarterback like Kirk where you fill one problem, but then another problem crops up because somebody else leaves or you can't afford to fill a spot. I, I guess I was thinking about recently Andrew Norwell, who is like the best and only good Jaguar at the moment, and how he was a free agent at one point. And instead of Andrew Norwell or Roger Saffold, they end up with you know uh, Tom Compton and whoever Pat Elfline playing left guard. And even though left guard is probably the least position that PFF would look at and say, you have to pay that guy 12 million bucks. You mentioned the luxury things that you can do when you have a cheap quarterback, which is you can pay people more money than they're worth. Like Sammy Watkins. I think he had 40 catches, but is anybody mad that they signed Sammy Watkins? I mean, it's a great example. And the same thing would be like, you could say left guard isn't that valuable until you've got that guy and you're watching him plow the hell out of people. And then you go, yeah, well, I like him though. <laughs> like it certainly helps. It's a, it's a big jump from uh, Tom Compton to Andrew Norwell in terms of uh, a lot of things that you can do with your offensive line and how often your quarterback gets pressured and how that plays into everything. And with the salary cap inevitably going down, that would be my main focus of now you've got to hit on the development projects. Now you've got to have everything click. Like Jeff Gladney had another tough game the other day. Like Jeff Gladney has to be great. He can't just be like a mediocre or bad. I think he has to be a really, really good player for this team to ultimately be a Super Bowl contender. And that's that's a hard thing to thread. It's a hard needle to thread of like, you better hit, you better hit. And when you go back over the last, you know, bunch of first round draft picks since 2015, it's Laquan Treadwell, bust, gone, traded to Philadelphia. That kind of goes bust because Bradford got hurt in 2017. Um, 2018 is Mike Hughes. That's officially a bust. 2019 is Garrett Bradbury. He's not that valuable above a replacement level center. Like these things can't happen in order for you to be in a position. But let me give you the other side of this. I want you to tell me NFC teams, 2021, give me the top 
three or four teams that have the brightest future. And this is after I watched uh, Taysom Hill play quarterback for the Saints. There's their future. You know they're going to buy into him. And uh, I watched Tom Brady throw the worst interceptions I maybe have ever seen since I covered you know, J.P. Lossman. I don't think I covered J.P. Lossman, but when I was growing up in Buffalo and J.P. Lossman was the Everybody felt like they did because of how <laughs> yeah. bad he was, right? Yeah, right. So, um, but in terms of brightest future, it's like you're, we're making the argument of how tough it is, but I think I have to have the Vikings in the top five in the NFC for like 2021. Well, and that was always my take when I was doing predictions this year where people were overreacting to the draft, you know, and they were picking the Vikings. The Vikings were Vegas favorites to win the NFC North over Green Bay this year. Um, and I think a lot of it was because Green Bay had such a horrendous draft and the Vikings had what I think many would would say is a good draft. Um, but obviously that doesn't materialize as quickly as we think, especially in a season like this. But you're absolutely right. I mean, okay, if I look at these teams, I think – I think New Orleans still is – New Orleans still has a chance. Um, you look at that team, and they are stacked. And and they have a ton of cap ramifications and stuff. But it's really hard for me to see a team who has as much talent as they do losing all that – dropping below a team quarterback by Kirk Cousins as a result. Um, and Peyton's still really good. I think he's still really motivated. And, you know – I don't know about Taysom Hill. Uh, I, I don't know about Jameis Winston, um, but I do think they'll make the right decision at the quarterback position for what it's worth. So New Orleans is a team that I think probably long-term is still better than Minnesota. Um, Green Bay is off the list for me because they drafted Jordan Love, and at some point they're going to have to play him, and the rest of that team is soft. So I, I agree that Green Bay, Chicago is in, the, is in a similar straight, and Detroit's in a similar straight because at some point you know, Stafford and Patricia – uh, are going to be, um, you know, gone. Tampa, similarly, I think Brady will play for a little bit longer, and that team is pretty stacked. So um, I'm going to put them right on the border. Seattle is above Minnesota because they have uh, Wilson. Uh, Arizona is as well because their young quarterback and coach combination uh, is pretty, um, I think, formidable. San Francisco as well. I think, you know, San Francisco, even with Jimmy G, I think is a better team than Minnesota will be. Uh, in the future. Um, so that's five for me. Um, no team in the East. <laughs> no, God, no. Um, Although, uh, you know, Washington, if they get Zach Wilson or something, then all of a sudden. They right. Yeah. Washington has a really good defense. Um, yeah. they've, they've invested a ton in it. Kendall Fuller from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, here's another one that's sneaky, Carolina. And yeah. we'll see them this week. Matt Rule. And if Joe Brady stays along for more than just the one year, um, Matt Rule, I think, is a terrific head coach. Uh, and whether they go with Bridgewater into the future or go with, you know, a young quarterback, um, I think that team uh, has it figured out more than the Vikings do. So, yeah, the Vikings are in the top half-ish of the NFC for sure. Um, I don't – and, yeah, it, you know, a couple of good bounces here and there, and they're, yeah, they're right back into the thick of things, I think. What do you think about Teddy in the long term in Carolina? I mean, they're playing him this week. I think he wasn't practicing as we're or in full as we're recording this podcast. So that makes me wonder, is he going to be ready? But he's got a couple days still to get his knee uh, back healed. That would be quite the gut punch. Everyone's going to write there, Teddy returns. Yeah, yeah. And then here comes P.J. Walker, who we love and we're right about. I'm just saying, P.J. Walker, yeah. go XFL, return in 2022, XFL with The Rock. Um, Funny how Blaine Gabbert gets 
X twenty chances and PJ Walker gets one. Mm. You wonder you wonder yeah, about these things. You do wonder about these things. Uh, but anybody who watched the Houston Roughnecks knew that PJ Walker is great. Uh, but you know, I, I asked someone from Carolina a couple of weeks ago, uh, a friend who covers the Panthers, just about you know, do they think he's the long term quarterback? And his answer was, he thinks yes that they probably will not draft a quarterback this year, even if they have a high pick, that they want to continue to build up a beastly defense. They've got a couple of weapons that I think maybe people didn't realize were as good as they are. Anybody on the Jets, trade for them. They're probably better than you think. Like, they're the worst. Like, ter- this, is a, this is like a total aside, but it is a money ball thing to look at terribly coached teams and trade for their players because they're probably better than their bad coaches are making them. So take yeah. that advice, Vikings. So you think you think defenders on the Detroit Lions are probably value right now? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I would trade for people on the Lions because they're probably better than Matt Patricia's making them. Uh, anyway, uh, circling yeah. all the way back, like what do you think about Teddy's long-term in Carolina? Well, the hardest part is for, I think, quarterbacks on that fringe, and Kirk, I think, is on, you know, all but the elite of the elite are on this fringe. The coach matters a lot, right? Um, if John D. Filippo is Kirk's coordinator, he looks like crap. If he's not, you know, then Kirk looks great. I think if Joe Brady stays in Carolina for another year, then Bridgewater is going to continue to have success. Um, Anderson, Moore, uh, Samuel, uh, McCaffrey, Davis, they're all good football players. And the thing that Teddy does, um, you know, better than most players is he's extremely accurate. Uh, and, you know, I think this season he's at 7.7 yards per pass attempt, which uh, is terrific, better than anything we've seen. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to throw his 14th touchdown pass against the Vikings, which <laughs> all the haters are going to have to, you know, eat their words then. Yeah. Um, but he's also 72% completion. Um, he, he's thrown a few more interceptions than we're used to him throwing. Uh, but this is the first bad team that Kirk's, or sorry, that uh, Teddy's been on. Um, so it's sort of understandable that maybe he'll, he's throwing more, uh, he's taking more chances. But you know, you're, you're looking at the same guy. His quarterback, his QBR is 72.2, meaning that if he's playing for an average team, um, he, his play gives them a 72% chance to win every game. That, that's pretty damn good, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, he's played his way into, a, I think, a spot where they have to consider him as the future. Um, that doesn't mean they won't draft somebody. You know, middle like let's say, you know, Trey Lance falls or something like that, or let's say Brock Purdy falls to them in round two or something like that. Um, they have to consider it, but uh, Bridgewater has done, I think, better than anybody could have expected him to do. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S., 
Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea what to expect. He did go 5-0 and for the Saints, and by the time he was done as the starter for the Saints, it actually looked pretty good. I mean, the game that he played against Chicago for uh, New Orleans in 2019, he was really slinging it, but... At the beginning, it was like four yards per attempt. Basically, yeah. he was he he looked a little bit uh, uneasy as the starter, but now he's looked comfortable and he's kept them in a lot of games. And that team, though we mentioned they have some weapons, they're awful. Like their offensive line is pathetic, and their defense, outside of when playing the uh, Detroit Lions, is very sad for the most part and has been lit up. And yet they're a couple you know a couple points away from beating Kansas City, a sixty-seven yard field. Goal that had the distance away from beating Kansas City. Uh, they were right in the game against Vegas early in the season. So, yeah, I think that they have a lot to build on there. And I also – I wonder what you think about this for team building, about, like, Cleveland decided to build a lot of the other parts first. And Carolina obviously um, is starting to do that just now by tearing it all apart, moving on from Cam, starting to rebuild. I don't hate the idea of teams who build up all the other parts first unless – Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback because the Jets are kind of an example here of, hey, we'll just draft this guy out of USC. looks pretty good. Throw him in there. doesn't matter what garbage is around him, how bad the coaching is. Just like, get after it, young friend. Just take over the franchise. And I think in today's league, there's not too many quarterbacks who are able to do that with supporting casts really making a huge difference of who wins and who doesn't. Yeah, John Ellis, by the way, Teddy Bridgewater was a full participant today. Oh, he was. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Which is excellent. I, I can't imagine. Um, there was no uh, reason. I, yeah. Yeah, this will be great. So, um, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think the the one time the Browns did it, right, where they, they failed at it was, you know, in the Sashi regime, right, where they went with, like, Deshaun Kaiser and stuff. Like, there, there's there's some value in it as long as the quarterback is good enough so you can evaluate the players, Right. Um, Alex Smith was that way. You know, when Alex Smith was the quarterback in Kansas City, he was good enough for you to identify Travis Kelsey as one of the best tight ends in football or Tyree Kill could be a number one receiver. And, like, there's some there's some value in that. But the really tricky thing becomes how expensive even those players are, right? Bridgewater makes $10 million per year more than Joe Burrow does, you know? <laughs> and and that's really the the hard – that's, like, the hardest part of this entire thing is everybody's like – you know, the, the people who are like, well, Kirk had to cost that much are wrong, but they're also right, you know, because if you do get a veteran quarterback like that, you do have to pay him that much money. And that's always the difficulty there. Um, with Carolina, you know, I really like the way they approached it. I mean, they drafted all defense in the draft, but they acquired 
offense in, in a cheap way in free agency, Mike Davis, uh, Robbie Anderson. Um, so it, it's coming together really well where they're getting to evaluate not only their players, but also Joe Brady as an offensive coordinator. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of the direction they're going, and I think they match up really well with the Vikings this week. And your point about Joe Brady, the one thing that's good there for them that they have going for him that is always a stumbling block for the Vikings is that when Joe Brady is good and someone hires him as a head coach, Matt Rule is still an offensive head coach. That doesn't change. Like, he knows what he's doing offensively, right? I mean, it wasn't his yeah. Baylor teams were putting up, like, seven gazillion yards and all that, and that's why people wanted to hire him as a head coach. Um, so with the Vikings, this has been an issue where Kevin Stefanski is great, and then someone else says, oh, we should make him our head coach, and then he has to leave. And now you have uh, Gary Kubiak, which, as an aside, I would be curious of what the PFF numbers say about Kubiak this year because I keep going – sort of back and forth. They have a really explosive passing game, but they also kind of find ways not to maximize some of their talent with Justin Jefferson. Um, I may have gone slightly over the top the other day and suggested that if Jefferson doesn't get more than five targets, that someone be imprisoned. Um, Maybe that was excessive. Probably not. Uh, But, you know, I, I wonder what you think of like evaluating offensive minds and offensive coordinators and how that pertains to Coob's. I, my, I think my numbers would suggest that Kubiak's getting less out of the talent on the team than he should. That would be my, my statement. Now, some of that is play calling. Some of that is ba- what I consider basic strategy. So, like, basic strategy is do you go for some fourth downs? Do you, um, do you throw on early downs? And I think that the Vikings fail at that a little bit. They're always going to be a little bit weaker be just because of their, their strategy is a little bit suboptimal. Um, so like a team like, you know, and, and Brady got, Brady was better once McCaffrey left because they were able to sort of like run the offense in a sort of agnostic way. Um, so yeah. Do you, uh, you think you're going to be right about six and 10? You were, uh, infuriating the fan base early before the season by selecting six and 10 as your Vikings standings pick. It's kind of looking uh, that way. I mean, it's very possible. They have to finish two and four. Yeah, they they probably can't go six to ten. It's probably gonna be seven to nine. They've got to play at New Orleans, at Tampa, and even if Tom Brady throws a couple picks, Tampa's really strong still. Too good of receivers. Yeah, I think probably. under nine under nine wins is probably a safe bet still for the Vikings, right? But then, um, I, look, it, it's really tough to go through this, especially the Vikings schedule, and be like win, 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 right? Yeah, right, right. Because we did we that with that Dallas last week. Again. Yep a two and 17 quarterback by Andy Dalton. But I think they probably at least get to seven and nine. Yeah. They'll show. I think the green Bay game was the leak, right? Like if, if they lose to green Bay, then I think six and 10 is probably their end, their final record. But since they lost to green Bay, um, Detroit's weaker than I thought that they were, although they have to go to Detroit. Um, Who knows, you know, Patricia always somehow that team's won six games. I have no, or four games. I I have no clue how Um, the bears will be another one where, you know, they probably they probably split those two games, and so it really does depend on whether they can beat Carolina this week. So I'll say seven and nine. I think seven and nine is probably the ending record for them. You know who picked seven and nine on this very podcast was your co-host George Shahuri. So uh, if he ends up being right, right on the money, um, I could see him giving you a hard time 
on your podcast, which is PFF Forecast, and people should go find it. I listen to it every episode. You guys put out two a week. You're doing really cool interviews and things like that. So uh, you had a great breakdown if people go find it with uh, Bruce Gradkowski, who's been on this show before, about the rookie quarterbacks. And so I love the conversations that you guys have on that podcast. And uh, I always appreciate your support for new author, me, Thank you for um, that and for your uh, time, which you are very generous with here on the show. Thank you, Eric. No problem, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving and stay safe.